is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 440, recorded on Thursday, the 18th of July, 2019. 440, eh? We're, we're, I mean, we're just uh, slowly approaching 450. That's a big number. It is a big number. I look forward to it. And 500 is going to be a hell of a thing when we hit that, assuming we do. Uh, because 500 podcasts, man, that is, <laughs> that is un, I mean, I, I never even dreamed in a million years, 10 years ago when we started this, we'd hit 500 yet. No, because all previous uh, podcasts that we did uh, hit 10 and we're like, yay, man, 10 episodes in the can. That's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And most of those don't exist anymore now or, no, or of course not. rather difficult to come by, but yeah, anyways, today's number 440. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit there. A little bit, yeah. Um, although, just let's address something real quick. There were rumors today, and I didn't dig into these with any amount of um, detail. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't really know what's going on. But there were rumors today that The Walking Dead proper is going to call it quits after season 10. Which means that we might not actually get to 500 unless we record you know a lot of non-episode podcasts which is entirely possible well it is i mean there's you know we'll we'll deal with that when when uh when we get to it but there's other options right like there's there's uh rewatchability of the show there's other spin-off shows there's the movies there's uh there's there's things to talk about so i, I don't foresee even if the the, the big show is canceled today which it's not going to be, but if it was canceled today, I'm sure there's enough to stretch it out to 500. Very, very if we true. Have to. No, very yeah. true. And and I don't even think it would be a matter of stretching it because we have to. You're right. There's movies. There's another TV show coming. There's all kinds of stuff. So yeah, we could do uh, actor spotlights on what are they doing now? Like an, a year and a half from now, <laughs> we could uh, watch movies that uh, that the actors are in. No shortage of things we could do or talk about. So I think 500 is in our future for sure. And the way this is going, probably number 1000 too. Yeah. And we could do, we just talk, we could just switch into a a Star Wars podcast. Or we can do that. Not change the name or anything. We'll just switch topics. We'll just slowly over time switch into something else and it'll be like no one ever noticed. (laughs) Yeah. Still called the walk, the talking dead, but uh, we'll talk about something else. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like that time on The Simpsons, Marge said in the future, you know, Fox turned into a hardcore porn channel so slowly, I barely even noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that still might come true. I mean, they predicted uh, President Trump, right? Oh, The Simpsons predict all kinds of crazy things, uh, yeah. which there's a podcast idea, Simpsons predictions. Yeah. Anyways, we are here to talk about uh, the latest episode of Fear the Walking Dead. But I also wanted to address just before we start our podcast schedule for the next week or so, mm-hmm. because something exciting is happening tomorrow, Jason. Tomorrow being Friday, July, July, July. July. <laughs> yeah. Friday, <laughs> July 19. And that is, of course, the release for the season 10 trailer at San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, that's going on right now, isn't it? It's happening. It started. Uh, 
last night or tonight. I mean, there's a bunch of new movie trailers out and stuff like that. So stuff's happening. The panel is tomorrow. So the trailer will be out tomorrow. And as most people who've listened for a while know, we always do an episode entirely dedicated to that trailer. So we are going to be doing that this year. But we are, of course, recording a night early here for the trailer because we have fear to talk about. And so the plan is to record a bonus podcast on Monday night next week instead of waiting all the way until Thursday and ganging it up with our coverage of the midseason finale of Fear. That didn't feel fair to Fear or fair to the trailer. Um, so we're adding a podcast in between, which yeah. I think is the best idea. It also, and remember, if you're at Comic-Con right now and you see somebody walking around in a Brian Cranston mask, it's probably Brian Cranston. Really? Yeah, well, he did that. He walked. He went and walked around Comic Con with a uh, like a really good prosthetic rubber mask uh, that looked like him from Breaking Bad, and he walked around uh, Comic Con. And then at the panel, he walked up on the stage, and everybody was excited because the guy that was wearing the Brian Cranston mask was on stage, and he pulled it off, and it was Brian Cranston. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a great idea. It is a great idea. So uh, yeah, watch out for that. So watch out. Good. Uh, anyways, that's fun. If you're doing that, if you're at San Diego. San Diego Comic-Con. I hope you're having a wonderful time or about to have a wonderful time. Uh, in any case, we will take the weekend to digest the trailer, to watch it, you know, about a thousand times. Uh, I'll spend the time breaking down, da- breaking it down scene by scene, and then we'll go through it on Monday. So that podcast should be out late on Monday. And then we'll do our regular fear mid-season finale episode next Thursday. But of course, we have to get through this episode of Fear First, and this is Season 5, Episode 7, and it was called... Don't you know I'm still standing as I watch this show? Because if I sit down, I'll be on the toilet, that's the place to go. Oh, 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 that was a tough one. Okay, another episode in the toilet. Thank you, Jim, for that title read. I'm not sure I should... I mean, I thank Jim. I Maybe I should apologize to the listeners. I don't know. Okay, so that was a title read, a joke, and an episode review all in one. It, that was the entire thing right there. We can just call it a night at this point. Yeah, that that's it. That's pretty good. That's an astute observation on your part, Jason. I never really <laughs> thought of it like that, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode was called Still Standing. Uh, in terms of viewers, it had 1.39 million viewers, which I'm sad to say is the lowest of all time for Fear the Walking Dead. This show's getting canned. It's got to get canned. Yeah, I mean, it, it might. It might get canned. I, I don't know. They might want to just drag it out. Maybe their whole goal is to kind of merge it into the Walking Dead universe and these other shows and and then then they're not canceling it. They're merging them together, right? You see the difference there? Yeah, I do see the difference. It's uh it's it's one of those Hollywood accounting kind of things. Mm. Right? They're what their what their ultimate goal was was to set up another show so that they could have a completely separate and new uh budget and monetary monetary source that they could eventually bring that budget and monetary source into the walking dead uh without having to ask for more money right they can they probably are doing something like that but clever very clever it we're getting a little cynical here um you know maybe they're trying their best to make the best show they possibly can 
Uh, you got to think somebody involved is doing that. But let's start here with a call from Designer Will. Hey, Chris and Jason. Designer Will with feedback for the most recent episode of Fear. And I have to admit, we are finally in dumpster fire territory. Now, I don't know if you guys actually like this week's episode than la- better than last week's episode. I- I'm guessing maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, I hate to go there. But, I mean, I think back to season two where we had interesting, cool complicated relationships with characters like Madison and Nick and Troy and all that. I mean, I've loved this show at some points, but um, yeah, just uh, I'm struggling now, really struggling now. Anyway, sorry to end it on such a sour note, but that's where I'm at this week. Thanks for letting me share my feedback. All right. Thanks for that, Will. Uh, So... Jason, we'll pose the question, did we like this episode better than last week's? And, I mean, I have an answer for that. Do you have an answer for that? I do. And what is it? You want to play answer chicken? No, I'd like you to answer first. (laughs) I did like it better. I didn't love it, but uh, it was better than last week. It's funny. That's my answer, too. I thought this episode was indeed better than last week. However, I don't think it was great. I find... I found myself thinking that this episode was a mix of some okay stuff with some pretty bad stuff. And, you know, that's not a great mixture. I would be able to handle it a lot better, I think, if it was a mix of really amazing stuff with some terrible stuff. That's, you know, at least they balance each other out. Uh, The problem is when it's just okay and then terrible, it still really skews towards the terrible. Yeah, and this is my my source of frustration after watching this episode this week is the fact that the the show is inconsistent. And it's just, it can't stay, like if it was consistently bad, we'd all just write it off and go, there's a piece of shit and forget about it. If it was consistently good, well, we'd be very, very happy in that case. But it's all over the map. Like some episodes are fucking terrible. Some episodes are okay. Some episodes are better. Uh, It's just, it. Is it's madding, maddeningly inconsistent, and it's it's driving me crazy, and it's causing me stress, Chris. I, I actually feel upset at this show because uh, it's, it's just it's 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 not something that I would normally it, it's not something I would watch unless I was podcasting about it, and I feel bad for shitting all over it every time we get in front of our microphones. But uh, is is that my fault? I it, I feel like it's my fault. But yeah. I don't like this show. I well, it's not. I know, but I know what you mean. Like it's it's it doesn't feel good to sit here and talk about a show that hasn't been very good for a long time. And I've learned to try to find the things in it that worked for me or that I did enjoy. Um, but there hasn't been a really good episode in a long time, which is you know two seasons worth now, really almost. So. I, I know what you mean. It it can be difficult and it's weird, but I sort of like you feel a little bit guilty about it being bad when yeah. we have nothing to do with it. We're just here talking about it, breaking it down. Yeah. It, yes. That's the thing. I don't, I don't, you know, intellectually, I, I feel okay that I'm so negative, but emotionally I, I feel bad about being negative 
about anything really. I don't mm-hmm. like conflict and I don't like being negative, but, uh, damn it. Sometimes you just have to be negative when you're, uh, watching a show that is a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is too bad. Well, let's, let's get into this one a little bit here. A big part of this episode was Alicia and the kids and her trying to go and, uh, save them or, or continue yeah. to help them, whatever. And I got to admit I didn't mind this part of the episode. I actually didn't really, really hate her interaction with all the kids this time. It's one of the parts of the episode that I thought was a little bit okay, a little bit better. I I agree with you. I think that, uh, like, there was good things about this episode and uh, not so good things, but this this interaction was uh, a highlight of the the episode, and I actually felt uh, that there was dramatic tension when they got overrun by, uh, or their, you know, perimeter got overrun by, uh, zombies and they had to get out of there and there was no contingency plan, yeah. um, to get out of there. There's no, no, not even an exit in their tree fort thing, uh, other than the main exit or main entrance, which, uh, you know, was phenomenally designed by a bunch of kids. Uh, just, it was just amazingly engineered. Like mm-hmm. with the cables and the bridge and everything like strapped together. Uh, and the, the whole thing was uh, was uh, phenomenally built by these bunch of kids. Yeah, well, I got to admit, I thought the treehouse was pretty cool. I thought it looked good. I thought it looked like a really fun place to play. I, uh-huh. I wondered to myself, was it there before the apocalypse? Like did someone build it pre-apocalypse and these kids either found it or knew about it and decided this was a good place to take shelter? Uh, I don't know, but I, I, thought I think it was, it was meant the the style of it and the the fact that they tied like frayed rope onto the immaculate uh, uh, cables holding mm-hmm. up that bridge. Like yeah. there was pieces of frayed rope tied to it to make it look a little more ramshackle. Right. So uh, this, uh, I think it was, it's it wasn't there before because it would be not as. Uh, you know, looking as put together randomly as it was. I mean, obviously it was designed by a uh, a crew of people that uh, put it together to be safe because they're going to get like 30 actual actors on there. So it's going to be solid, right? Sure, yeah. It's got to be solid. But it was meant to look like it was uh, put together haphazardly by a bunch of kids. All right. But pretty cool set nonetheless, I, I thought. Um, I also thought the forest outside with all the walkers strung up, despite that, being, you know, a little silly that they, they use the intestines. I thought that's been silly the entire time though. And also I'm not sure I, I believe that these kids could do all that. I never really have. I did think it looked cool. And again, sort of a cool set piece or a a neat location. And so, you know, at the very least, all this stuff was fun to look at and provided some good entertainment with bit of a different way of presenting the zombies. So I was okay with that. Yeah. But um, in terms of Alicia going there and her interaction with Annie and some of the other kids, to me, this was one of the better interactions they've had. I don't know why exactly, because they did kind of just review the same things they've talked about before and, and stuff like that. But it, it worked better for me this time for some reason maybe because I could sense that this was all coming to a head finally and it wasn't going to be drawn out longer. I don't know. But it. I also found that it, you know, if you ignore why she's there, 
I was sort of okay with what she was doing there. You know what I mean? Like we've been over the fact that they're trying to help these kids a million times and it doesn't really make any sense that she would chase them off into their secret location anymore. So if you kind of ignore the things that don't make sense, yep. then her being there, the conversation they have and the way it all played out, I could enjoy. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. Uh, why this episode was good yet bad. I mean, in order to enjoy the good, you have to ignore the heaps of bullshit right. that, uh, that doesn't make any sense just to get there. But once you get there and accept the bullshit, then it's okay. If if you can accept it, then it then it's okay. You're right. But then on the other hand, I started thinking about Alicia's motivations for being there, which is one of the things you sort of have to ignore. I, I get that. Yeah. But I also couldn't help but think, you know, she tells Annie, I can't leave without knowing I did everything to try to save your lives. And I'm like, is that noble or is that selfish? Like it's both, Ben. Is I mean, it, is it both? Is there truly ever a selfless act? I, uh, I guess not. Well, yes and no, but uh, you, you know it, it can be both. You can do noble, uh, you know, acts to try and save somebody or save a group of people for selfish reasons, and that's still okay. It doesn't matter what your motivations are. It's, it, you know, uh, it's, it's what you do that counts. What she's trying to do is save them. Her mm-hmm. motivations almost don't matter. I guess, but I mean, she she also says I have to do something good to make up for what I did, and. You know, we've been over the idea that this show rehashes that sort of plot of or that theme of making up for the bad things you've done. But, you know, Alicia going there to say, I have to do something good to make up for what I did. I don't think doing good things erases terrible things you did in the past. And I'm not sure why she believes that. Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, an age old philosophy question is, uh, do the good things outweigh the bad things in your life or do the bad things outweigh the good things? You know, there's people on, uh, on death row right now that, uh, their entire lives are judged by the worst thing they ever did. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? That your, that your whole life is summed up by the worst thing you ever did on some in you know it's a philosophical question the answer is of course it is it's okay and the and the other answer is no because the life is more than just you know the bad things life is more than just the good things but do they balance out no you do good things and those are good and you do bad things and that's pretty shitty but you know everybody does good things and bad things i mean in a way the the good things and bad things are mutually exclusive a little bit i guess you know, you, yeah. you are, a you are a combination and a sum of all those different things. Um, yeah. Look at, look at mother Teresa, right? She's uh, revered as a, uh, you know, a, a, a very, very good and noble person going and, uh, helping, uh, people that were suffering for a very long time. But she also believed that suffering was noble and that would not help people that were suffering because their suffering was uh, a part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. So there was, there was, there was a little bit of shitty person in there. I'm sorry to say that about Mother Teresa, but Jeez. Uh, there's, you know, it's Mother Teresa as, you know, exalted as this, uh, this noble, awesome person, but uh, there's just a little bit of shitty person in there as well. <laughs> sorry. Wow. Nobody's ever said that before. <laughs> <laughs> no, they have. Look it up. <laughs> All right. Fine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I'm just a little bit, um, 
a little bit disappointed in the show in that they they pre- they present this whole idea as so black and white, right? Where do terrible things and do good things to make yourself feel better about the terrible things. Yeah. And it's just not that clear and distinct, I guess. So, I mean, I guess it might make Alicia feel better to save these children and make up for people she's killed or whatever in the past. But I think at minimum, it's still morally questionable to think that it completely absolves you of everything bad you've done in your life. Yeah. If you look at it this way, if you go to a mall and you walk up to a person and slap them across the face as hard as you can and then hand them a hamburger, I bought you a hamburger. Here's a free meal. I mean, sorry about knocking all your teeth out, but, you know, here's a hamburger. So, you know, slapping somebody's bad. Does the hamburger make up for it? What if it was a what if it was a new car? Right. I I mean, mean, it might be worth it, but that person didn't have a choice. It's like slap them across the face. Here's a new car. I mean, ultimately they might go, it was worth it, but that still doesn't absolve you of the fact that you slapped them across the face. I mean, I'd just take bacon on the hamburger and everything would be fine. Well, you want, you think that uh, I could come and slap you as hard as I can and then buy you a bacon double cheeseburger and everything would be cool. I'm just saying it, it would be pretty close. <laughs> it's tough. It's yeah. tough. It's a, you know, it's a moral, it's a moral thing, but I don't think the good things make up for the bad. No. I think that there are good things and there are bad things and life is complicated. Absolutely. But the show is trying to boil it down to, in to this black and white, like thing that, that just isn't that, I mean, they're trying to present it as very clear, but it clearly, it obviously isn't right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. Alicia also mentions how to the to Annie how crazy it sounds to get on the airplane, and I'm like, yes, finally somebody said it out loud. <laughs> the airplane does not work. Has already crashed once. Is leaking like a son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, that thing is not safe. No, I wouldn't get in. I wouldn't even probably go near the plane as it exists right now. But again, if you if you ignore all of the other options that these people have to get away or get out of this situation. You can almost get on board with the idea of them trying to repair an aircraft and fly away. The problem is you have to ignore everything else, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and I, this episode was full of that for me. As long as I could put out all this silly stuff out of my mind, what I saw on screen, I actually enjoyed to a degree. So it's a funny episode that way. Yeah. You just have to ignore uh, basic common sense and uh, accountability. Right. And those things aren't important. Everybody knows <laughs> <No>. that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what about Alicia's big battle or big solo one person fight with all these zombies? I thought it was fun to watch. Um, it was. And she kicked a lot of ass, man. She's pretty badass. Yeah. I, um, I, was, af- I was afraid that they were going to... Uh, not tell us her fate. Well, they kind of didn't, but, uh, you know, it was one of those, uh, uh, going off into the breach in order to save uh, a group of people never to be heard from again mm-hmm. and assumed dead mm-hmm. until they show up two episodes from now. The walking dead's done that before. Yeah. I have trust issues. Yes. Do you remember? Um, oh my God, his name is escaping me right now. Land? No, 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 not that. I'm talking about actual, actual, like in story Walking Dead. They did it in the comic and then in the TV Daniel. show. Daniel, no, he long, died twice. Other, other TV show, the original oh, okay. show. When it's, it, it's at the prison. 
and what's his name goes into a a gym and then comes out after having killed like hundreds of walkers in the gym oh my god his name anyways it it's a thing it's happened but you're right i i was a little bit expecting that to happen here and they kind of did it but they mixed it up a bit for us so alicia gets radioactive walker blood on her body possibly in her mouth yeah we got to we have to ignore the radiation we have to why Be- because it's not it's a non-factor and uh uh it's ridiculous. I mean, they had a shot of the uh, the exposed nuclear core of the one of the, one of the reactors that melted down. There was a uh, a reaction containment vessel that uh, had the lid blown off or a big hole blown in it, which means that the core is actually exposed. There's so much fucking radiation right there that a paper suit and a gas mask is not going to help you. This whole, the fact that this uh, core is exposed and nobody's doing anything about it because it's a zombie apocalypse and nobody's there to do anything about it, uh, means that this whole area is so irradiated that they're all friggin' dead within five years. But we have to ignore that. Uh, Yes, we do have to ignore that, I guess. But, I mean, they've made a specific point. It was Tyrese, by the way. Tyrese, Tyrese, yeah, thank you. I was just going to look it up. Um. But they've made they've made a very strong point on the show, though, to tell us that that if you if you get any of this radioactive walker blood on you, you're you're infected. And that's why Grace marked them all right. Or you're contaminated, not infected. Um, That's why she marked them all. So, yes, you do have to ignore the fact that the the rest of the plant is melting down again. Um, But I, I really do believe that they've just put that in there to give these characters a deadline. So they have to hurry up. And get out of there and possibly take off in an airplane that's only partially repaired. But when it comes to just the radioactive blood, I think that splashing it onto Alicia is, well, obviously trying to make us believe that she's not going to survive. Uh, but does it mean she's going to die immediately or is it going to take some time or is it actually not going to be a problem and she's going to live on for ever uh what do you think i think it'll be a non-factor within three episodes so nothing i mean she's not gonna die nothing she there won't be any serious consequences from it and it'll just sort of go away it has to because they either have to kill her off and kill everybody else off that's in the irradiation irradiated zone or they have to ignore it it's not the kind of thing that you get sick from and then get better yeah, but right? that's, what, that's what I'm saying. They don't have to kill everybody else off. They only have to kill off people who g- came di- in direct contact with the radioactive zombie. They've been which very... Which is Alicia. Yes, which, they've been very clear about that. So I think if she dies because of this and nobody else does, that's how they explain it. Whether that's plausible or logical, I don't know. But I think they're setting it up for Alicia to die or for us to believe she's about to die. Okay, that's fair. Right? If the whole reactor melts down and the whole area becomes like a completely contaminated nuclear waste zone, then, and nobody dies or nobody gets sick from it, yes, that's going to be ridiculous. But I'm pretty sure they're going to get far enough away from this thing in the next episode before it goes nuclear. (laughs) (laughs) It's already gone nuclear, but uh, before it melts down, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh... I don't get, I, I still don't believe that Alicia is going to die next episode or in the next couple. 
but it could happen. And then there'll be no original cast members except Strand left over. Yes. Which is weird, but I guess that's how it goes. Yeah, that's how it goes. I, Yeah, I have trust issues, but you think that they're going to kill off Alicia? Um, I, I actually don't. I'm not convinced of it yet, no, but... I think uh, I think they want us to think they're going to kill off Alicia. Put it that way. All right. You know. Yep. In terms of that that fight, though, I thought it was a pretty good fight scene. It was one of the best one person zombie massacres I think either show has given us. Uh, it was pretty good. It was good. It was infect infected. It was entertaining and yep. uh, effective. Is what I was trying effective. to say. So, yep. um, pretty pretty good. Cindy in Columbus, Ohio, wrote in and said. I actually said out loud, WTF, when after Alicia realized she couldn't kill all the walkers like she promised the kids and told Annie something to the effect that sometimes you have to know when to give up. Oh, really, Alicia? Is that why we have to have had to endure watching your group of misfits try to help these kids for seven episodes after they've repeatedly told you they don't want your help? Do what I say, not what I do. Right, exactly. Just try to uh, ignore that fact. Yeah. And then uh, Karen C. in Los Angeles wrote in and said, it seems like a risky move to kill her off, especially since people are still mad they killed off Madison. Annie telling her she can let go kind of seals the deal for her fate, unless this is another pretend dumpster death and she's somehow immune to radiation. Not a far stretch for this show. Well, the the laws of physics in this universe are obviously different than uh, our own universe. So maybe radiation is a... Uh, we know that people have surprising uh, healing powers in, mm-hmm. this, uh, in this universe. So maybe uh, radiation sickness and uh, maybe it's a survivable condition. Maybe it's just like, shit, I... You know, I, I'm looking at a melted down exposed core of a nuclear reactor... Man, I'm going to get sick for like three days. Three whole, I might even throw up once. <laughs> they, that would, that's going to, this is going to suck. Yeah. You know, when you start to get a cold and you're like, oh man, 10 days of this bullshit, but you know, you'll get over it. Maybe, uh, maybe that's what it's like. You know, you get irradiated and you get sick for 10 days and sneeze and your nose runs and you throw up a little bit and you start bleeding out your eyes and your ears and you know, other various orifices. And then, uh, you lie down for a little while in the fetal position with some cramps. And then, uh, a couple of days later, you have some chicken soup and you're right as rain. Well, I mean, that doesn't sound very fun, but at least you survived through it. Yeah. Well, that's what I assume. Yeah. Maybe that's why everybody's heads are so soft because that's the effect of the uh, radiation, uh, <laughs> uh, is that everybody's heads get soft. Makes their... Everybody's irradiated. Just like everybody's infected, maybe everybody's already irradiated. If they, if it comes to that, I'm going to be rather disappointed. Yeah. What about her interaction with Morgan here? I need help understanding something here, Jason. I'm going to... Okay. I, I'm talking about the scene where Morgan is in Grace's house looking for stuff uh, and a vehicle, I think. And he's on the radio with Alicia and they have this conversation this is before Alicia has been able to convince the kids to come back to the truck stop with her. And I watched this a couple of times. I read the subtitles and I was having a little bit of trouble understanding what the hell was going on here. So um, she first says to Morgan that it should be him there trying to convince the kids to come back. 
And he says to her, and I quote, no, we're both exactly where we're supposed to be, which is a very Morgan thing to say, right? Yeah. Um, you know what it is kind of thing. He went saying that for a long time. Uh, and then she says to him, you said we're still here for a reason, and I'm starting to wonder if this is why. And Morgan responds with, everything gets a return, and it is why. And then he sees the walker in the window and his own reflection, you know, in the walker's face. And I'm not sure what the hell they were talking about. Uh, I think that they were talking about a conversation that they may have had off screen. What does the phrase everything gets a return means mean? Everything come back, comes back around. Uh, every action uh, elicits a, an equal and opposite reaction. Or maybe he's talking about uh, you can make up for your bad things by doing good things. Okay, maybe. And, and, and so he's just reaffirming the idea that her there trying to convince these kids to come back is sort of a good enough thing to, to make yeah. up for her past sins. Or maybe, yeah. Or maybe, uh, you know, everybody gets a chance to atone in one way or the other. You know, if you do a bunch of bad things, you get your comeuppance. If you do a bunch of good things, uh, you get your reward. If you do a bunch of bad things and then do a bunch of good things, it all balances out and you uh, go to purgatory and hang out there until somebody pays your way into heaven. I guess. I mean, but am I way off base in thinking that this isn't really clear in their conversation? I don't think you're way off base. I didn't mentally latch onto this as a confusing part. I just kind of let it wash over me as, uh, okay. And then moved on with my life. <laughs> There's some characters talking they're saying stuff. <laughs> they're saying stuff. And the next scene. <laughs> yeah. I mean, consistency and, uh, uh, yeah, consistency in what they display on the show and, and, uh, what they talk about is kind of few and far between nowadays. Yeah. I, you can't really, they talk about stuff that they don't, that isn't evident in the show up to that point, which I think wh whatever they were talking about wasn't a theme that uh, came up before that was memorable. If they tried to bring it up before to make sense so that what their conversation was made sense, they failed to do so. Right. Because it didn't catch in my mind. Now that you bring it up, it's like, what the hell are you talking about that? Were they talking about that before? And now that they're just kind of recapping their conversation or, you know, yeah. uh, having it make sense? No, they, I don't believe they did talk about that before. I think it's just some vague writing a little bit. You know, sometimes shows do that where writers do stuff that, that sounds a little bit vague, but usually comes together in the end, or you, you have the ability to put it all together just from watching the events of the episode. This scene didn't really work that well for me in that regard. Now I will admit that by the end of the episode, Morgan then tells Alicia, uh, when they're on the radio again, and I think Morgan's driving with grace after his interaction with her, but he says that we are going to start living, which is, Boy, something we've heard a thousand times on in this Walking Dead universe. But he also says that we're 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 going to make it not all about helping others. We're going to live our own lives too. And I feel like that may sort of sum up what they were getting at, right? And that was what this episode was trying to do overall. I think is right. is push these characters into a position where they 
aren't going to completely abandon helping helping people because you can't do that. You do have to spread the luck around as as John Dory or somebody was saying. But at the same time, they have to live for themselves. You have to look out for number one to a certain degree as well. Yeah, you put on your own mask before you put on the mask of somebody else. Right, because if you don't get yours on, then nobody's getting their mask on. So Yeah, and you make sure you have a cup of coffee before you deal with any family crap that comes up on a Saturday morning. Good idea. You got you to save yourself before you can save somebody else. So you need that cup of coffee on first thing Saturday morning. Right. Like, don't talk to me. I'm drinking my coffee. And then we'll talk. Yeah. Well, I think Someday that, that might work for me, but so, it does not as of yet. But you're going to keep trying. Yeah, I'm going to keep working at it. Well, I think this episode was all, all about that, is sort of balancing out the character's approach to helping people a little bit and making sure that they haven't forgotten that they've got to, uh, got to work on themselves as well. And I think the conversation, the earlier conversation between Alicia and Morgan was trying to reinforce that they were just doing it in such an obscure way that at the time watching it, and even now, I don't think it worked really well. Um, however, the scene with Morgan and the reflection of himself in the zombie's face while definitely a little on the nose, um, I think was okay. And again, I'm, I'm worried that they're foreshadowing zombie Morgan here by doing something like that. Or is that just too obvious? Do you actually think that everybody's going to die? Like they're going to kill off Morgan, they're going to kill off Alicia, and then Strand will be left uh, hanging out with John Dory? Because, uh, uh, you know, Dharma will go off and do other shows, so she'll be killed off as well. You mean June? Jen, Jenna Elfman. Right. Uh, no, I don't think everyone is going to die, but a part of me thinks that they are trying to plant these seeds about these different characters to keep us on our toes. It's like, oh, look, guys, Alicia is contaminated. She might die. Oh, look, we just superimposed Morgan on a zombie face. He might become a zombie. You never know. And they're trying to keep us guessing. And I, and yeah, I guess. I'm not sure that that was, I think that was, it was more of a character thing. It's just like, well, that's what I would look like if I was dead. Like my son and wife. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I don't know. Uh, I think they're trying to keep us on our toes a little bit. And I guess I'm sitting here talking about it. So it kind of worked on me, I suppose. I guess so. Uh, what about Strand and Charlie in this episode, Jason? Um, they are, they hang around the clearing where the balloon crashed. The zombies are attacking. Morgan's on his way to rescue them. So what yep. do they do? They somehow magically erect a giant barrier made out of the beer balloon that protects them from the oncoming zombies. Yeah. When, uh, when they crash landed, uh, weren't the zombies coming out of the woods at that point? They were, they were coming out of the so, woods into the clearing. All right. So they had what, 35 seconds to erect this, uh, contraption. Well, they ran around a bit and then Charlie, I think what we're supposed to believe is Charlie distracted them and kept yep. the zombies occupied while Strand set up this elaborate balloon barrier mm -hmm. that they could drag the propellers over, lure the zombies towards them, and then pull it up just in time to block the zombies path. Well, the barrier itself would be okay as long as the ropes holding it up were okay. Sure. So, because that, that silk, uh, that material that's used for hot air balloons is meant to be very, very strong. Same with parachutes, same with uh, blimps or anything. So it's, it's basically, uh, it's very, very strong material and you can't just 
get a hold of that with your hands and rip it. I don't care if you're a zombie or a human being, you need a knife of some kind to get through that. Uh, it's designed to be unterrible by uh, normal forces, right? Right. So uh, erecting a barrier like that will, like they won't be able to rip, the zombies wouldn't be able to rip through the material, but they would be able to push on it. And they can push a door down. They can push a fence down. They probably can push your stupid, uh, hastily erected rope web down. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, the material is fine. The amount of time that they had to erect this barrier, I mean, they might have might as well have shown them uh, cutting and sawing logs and putting up a fort. Yeah. Right? Like an old-time fort. And that's my problem with it. I, I think it's a, a neat idea. And if you had a bunch of this stuff, yes, you could surround your campsite in it and whatever. But they yada yada over the most important part and they expect us to just be fine with it. You know, they're being attacked by zombies. They have no time. We're supposed to believe that Charlie, you know, ran them around in a circle while Strand spent, what, 24 hours doing this? No, I mean, it would take forever. So that's the problem I have, that it's just so unbelievable, even though it's a good idea. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty unbelievable. And, and that to me just made the whole thing feel dumb and took the tension out of it because it's like, you know, you, you get in trouble. Oh, we got a hot air balloon here. Let's just string it up from some trees in 30 seconds and everything will be fine. So it just kills the scene for me. Um, and I didn't really like it at all. That being said, I thought Alexa Nissenson, who plays Charlie, has really come into her, uh, her own lately. I, I've enjoyed watching her on screen. Sorry, I don't know that one. Oh, Alexa. Alexa, you said Alexa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I say stop if you want me to stop talking to you. Stop talking to me. I'm going to mute her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I think she's come into her own. I think she's been pretty good. She... She's given lines. I think she delivers them well. I think she's doing some good acting. Uh, She, the the way she just kind of, everything she delivers feels earnest, but not like overly melodramatic. And I feel like sometimes with this show, that's a tricky balance to, to hit. And for some reason, she manages to do a good job about it. Even when Strand is there, like waxing poetic to her about his lack of belief in everything that they're doing and helping people and, and stuff like that. I can't stand listening to strand these days, but Charlie, I won't say her first name again, was doing a pretty good job. I thought. Yeah, I agree. So it's, it's as simple as that. I, uh, I agree. She's doing a really good job. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to see. I, I kind of hope she sticks around for a while on, on the show. And if they're going to kill Alicia off, maybe they're grooming, Charlie to be the <laughs> replacement, a younger version of Alicia coming up. Right. I mean, that's well, hopefully uh, they don't. I, I hope they don't kill Alicia off personally. I would rather see Strand go. Me too. Than Alicia. Uh, so hopefully they're not doing that. I agree. Me too. Uh, you're right. I'd probably rather see Morgan go than Alicia. Are you just tired I'd of really, them? I, I'm not sure what's going on with Lenny James and Morgan. I mean, I really liked him and everything else he's ever done, but this, he's either just phoning this in or they're giving him garbage. But I don't believe that, uh, you know, Lenny James couldn't deliver garbage if he wanted to. So I think maybe he's phoning this shit in. Do you, do you think he knows it's bad? 
Do you think all the actors... on some level. Yeah, on some level, you think they've got to know, right? I mean, we, you and I have both worked on projects where, like, yeah, this is not going to work. Like, this, you know, I'm spinning my wheels here. I'll do this. I get a paycheck, and we're going to get this out there. But it's going to be a pile of shit, and somebody else is going to have to deal with it. <laughs> right? The, the way Sadly, yeah. I've been on projects like that. I can't really speak for you, but... Uh, I've been on projects where at the end of it, they're like, yeah, we're not releasing this. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Cause that was, that was a garbage. I could have told you that months ago. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not paid to make those decisions. I'm, you know, ours is not to question why ours is but to do and die. Sure. Well, I, I wonder if they know that the show is going downhill to put it nicely. No, I think they're so. not idiots. And maybe that's why Lenny James is phoning it in. He just can't deal with the fact that this material is not great. So why put all of his effort into it? Well, I don't yeah. know. And, and a quick anecdote about phoning it in. I watched recently within the last six months, I re- watched Bridge on the River Kwai with Alec Guinness. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was fucking phenomenal in this movie. He was absolutely brilliant. Won an Oscar for it. Uh, absolutely brilliant. And when I think about uh, Alec Guinness in Bridge on the River Kwai. I think about Alec Guinness in Star Wars. He was phoning it in for Star Wars. Like he totally did not give a shit about that movie whatsoever. He thought he was just doing a B movie for a paycheck and he did not care. I mean, he's Alex Guinness and he still did a good job, but it was nowhere near the effort and caliber that he displayed in Bridge on the River Kwai. Well, so, I mean. That's, that's it. Yeah, he had no idea. It was going to blow up in Star Wars. Well, it was going to become what it did. became. I mean, Lucas yeah. was like, oh, man, this is going to suck. <laughs> and then uh, he was talking to Spielberg about it. And Spielberg said, I'll tell you what, we'll trade a couple of points on these movies. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a couple of points on, I forget what movie he was making. It might've been Jaws. It might've been, I forget what it was. But, uh, and then Lucas gave Spielberg a couple of percentage points of the, uh, of the gross on Star Wars. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fucking Spielberg's making a goddamn mint off of that still. Probably is, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Spielberg knew what he was doing. Well, they were hedging their bets, right? It's just like, well, let's just swap a couple of percentage points to, you know, make sure, you know, so you feel better if you make a garbage movie and I make a good one, or if I make a garbage movie and you make a good one. They turned out to be both good movies, so they probably was profitable. I like how those guys are buddies, though. It's fun, right? There's there's a healthy yeah. competition, but they're ultimately friends, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, we all know who the the uh better caliber filmmaker is in the at the end of the day, but we'll just leave that alone. Yeah, George Lucas's wife. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> uh okay. Al and fixing the plane and June. So, of course, Jason, of course, the plane is leaking gas. Well, why wouldn't it? It crashed for crying out loud. Why would you put gas in it right now anyway? There's the uh, propellers and stuff. Fill the damn tanks full of water. Even though, you know, aviation fuel is thinner than water. So uh, where a water where water wouldn't leak, aviation fuel might kind of thing. Maybe. Okay. Like, start with some water because, you know, fill the tanks a couple of gallons of water. There's got to be a drainage something or other, but uh, you don't just fill it fully aviation fuel to start off with, hoping that it doesn't leak. Well, that wasn't my problem with this scene. My problem with this scene is that they managed to rebuild a plane, and then the problem they encounter is leaking gas. 
Yeah, after moving it, like yeah. the the cause of the uh, of the leak is well, we must have sprung a leak when we moved it. It's like, well, did you bash it on something? Like, why is it leaking because you moved it? it did you did you move it? Did you drop it? Like, were you moving it? Pick, did you pick it up and then while you were running through the yard with it, did you drop it? No, it it can't even roll like ten feet to the left without leaking gas, and they expect it to go down a runway at escape velocity and take off. Or, you know what I mean, at takeoff yeah. velocity. Yeah. I mean, th- that's just so stupid. But this the problem with this is it brings up two things in my mind. One, it just screams to me that we have to give these characters something to do. You know, everyone that's hanging around this truck's up. They're fixing a plane. We need to give them something to do. Oh, let's make it leak gas so that we, we can, because we know where gas is. We can send them up the mountain again to get some gas. It gives them a mission. It gives them something to do. Oh, yeah, right. No matter how ridiculous it is. But then the other problem is it just makes me feel like these writers, they must know that fixing this airplane is insane. So they have to find a way to gloss over that and make it about something something that's achievable by the characters, realistically achievable. Finding right. gas, because we know there's gas up on the mountain and... Now we have a character who's climbed the mountain twice and instead of like going back down over the other side or whatever, has come back down and re retrapped herself inside the mountain. Yeah. Not only that, they skipped over the mountain climbing scene this time, because again, we've seen all that already, so we don't need to see it again. And there's no talk about climbing up one person and bringing down. What did she have? 15 tanks of gas. She had to climb that mountain 15 times and it well, seems like it you happened. Might as well, in... You can just throw the jerry cans off the, off the cliff. Yeah, right? that's they're, a great idea. They're, they're magic jerry cans. They'll just levitate their way down nice and safely and then just, you know, slowly settle to the ground. Build some sort of counterweight pulley system with zombies and lower them down nicely. Everything about this. Well, hey, that's a good idea. I mean, didn't we uh, have that idea in, uh, didn't Jay Boninsinga have this idea in the comic comic books? Or even Michonne did this. You put, uh, you you load up the zombies with your pack stuff and then you start leading them wherever you need to go. Well, yeah, that's that's just using them as pack mules. But I just, so I just meant like. That's a great idea. They should have done that. I guess. I guess if you can find creative uses for the zombies. But everything about this drove me crazy because it's, None of it works, and it just, they think we're idiots, do they? Do they think we're morons? Like, Yeah, of course they do. <sighs> I feel like a moron. They're, it's working. They think <laughs> I'm a moron. I feel like I feel like an idiot for watching the show. It's, it's, it's so bad, it's making you believe you're stupid. That's the problem. Everything about this was stupid, and I just wish the whole thing wasn't there. Make it leak gas. No, I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't work. <laughs> None of this right. works. And it's too bad because I still like June. Uh, I enjoyed the episode with Al a couple of weeks ago, but none of this works. And I, I don't think I can say anything else about it. Do you think June knew right away that uh, when uh, when Al said that she met somebody, that it was a love interest? Because she kind of jumped on that, uh, I assume that it's a love interest, and then telling a story about a love, love, her love interest. Uh, and that, you know, you have to believe that... Uh, uh, you'll meet them again, and that meeting them the first time was worth it. Uh, so all she said was, I met somebody. It's like, oh, wow, did you have sex in the bush? Yeah. Obviously you did. 
Well, uh, so but uh, maybe it's from the phrase "I met someone" instead of because that's kind of a a phrase for uh, meeting a love interest. But how else would you phrase it? Yeah, I ran into another person. Yeah, uh, I, I encountered, encountered a living human. Yeah, that's not that crazy. It seems like it happens all the time. Uh, well, Karen in Los Angeles wrote, I thought June was very good at giving some support and understanding about how Al feels, but she kind of just made that conversation all about herself and her own feelings. Why didn't she ask any other questions or even let Al finish her thought? And I agree with that for sure. Yeah, yeah we all know people like that. We definitely all know people like that. But in this situation, I understand that June was good at providing support, but it seemed like a weird time to for it, or they needed something more to this scene where June actually asks some of the right questions, some of the questions that any normal person would have, like, who is this person? Where did they come from? Can they help us now? How did they get out of here? You know, if we're all stuck here, how come they can just disappear? How come you can never yeah. see them again? Uh, just, I, I mean, I appreciated the fact that they had the conversation and that's fine, but it's it, it again, it didn't work, and it doesn't seem realistic or anything. Yeah, that's why you have to check common sense at the door. Like, yeah. you can't, you know, within the cold open, you have to, uh, you just have to say, okay, common sense, forget it. Let's just accept the fact that uh, they're not going to be reasonable and that uh, it is what it is, and they're all morons and don't ask questions, but uh, are the only talking they do is to increase dramatic effect. Because we know people like that, too. Like the only reason they're talking is because they want drama in their lives. <laughs> Better just keep quiet, probably. That's what I do. Yeah, I I don't talk at all if I don't have to, except when I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a conversation. I guess so. So let's move on from that because it's just going to make my blood pressure higher if I keep thinking about it. Uh, John, Dory, and Dwight. Jason. Yeah. Here's another part I am mostly on board with because it's John Dory, because it's Dwight. And I'm, I'm bummed that June wasn't part of this because I do generally like what she's got going on when she is with John Dory. Uh, but John and Dwight's are on the mission to find Sherry still. And really the whole point of this, I think was mostly to have him reveal the letter, have John reveal the letter to Dwight, right? Yeah. That hiding the letter didn't last very long. It didn't last very long, but I thought, you know, despite everything else, they actually handled this part pretty well because I I liked watching John Dory question himself about not showing the letter to Dwight originally. He's questioning his own character decisions because it's kind of out of character for him, I think, right. in a way. I mean, I know John wants to uh, save people's feelings and stuff like that, but I also think he's a very upfront guy and I don't think he likes lying to people. So they did a good job there. I liked watching Dwight react to the letter when he first reads it. And then John apologizes to him for everything. And I ultimately really liked Dwight's reaction. It wasn't really confrontational. He understood what John was trying to do. So this all to me worked well, maybe on the strength of both of these actors. Yeah. But also because everything here felt true to the characters and true to real life in a way um, within this small little scene. So, uh, so it was good. And I guess I can watch 
Dwight and John Dory all day long. Yeah, well, we'll just, uh, we're going to kill off everybody else, so fine. <laughs> if it's only these guys, man, let's let's stick to it. Yeah, uh, we'll get Dwight. Uh, he'll meet up with his wife and John Dory in June, and uh, that'll be it. We'll just move on from there. Maybe. I'd be okay with that. How did you feel about the fact that Dwight kind of does agree to abandon the search, though? That was the only part about this that I didn't really jump on board with, because I wanted Dwight to be reinvigorated by this letter. It's like, you know, she doesn't want me to find her, but I can't live with that. I have to do this kind of thing. I, that's what I wanted to see. But instead, he sort of says, you know what? Maybe she's right. Maybe it's my turn to help you guys now. And it sounds like he is going to just give up the search, which to me feels like, uh, I guess they just don't want to bring Sherry onto the show. Well, it's the right thing to do. I mean, if you're in a uh, a conflict uh, where, you know, you get separated from somebody and you know you'll probably never see them again because the communication lines are all down. There's no way to get in touch with them. Uh, you know, at some point you have to give up. We'll give up, you know, active searching. You can still keep an eye out, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, if Sherry has uh, elected not to leave any more clues... What the hell are you going to do? You're just going to, you know, start a search pattern, uh, basically walking in a spiral until the, your spiral completely encompasses the entire of the United States and Mexico. Right. Right. And, so. And Canada. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. But, you know, Canada's kind of cold. She she was already going south. So Fair. let's just assume that she's still going south. But you still, you have to check, right? Yep. Uh, so you just, you start a little spiral and uh, you work your way out to the coasts. <laughs> and then eventually you'll run into her. You have to. Yeah, you have to. Well, then, you know, there's a chance that she was going in the opposite direction. So at that point, you go back to the center and you do a spiral in the other direction. Mm. Uh, and then after like four or five times of doing that, you'll probably run into her. Ch chances are good at that point. Yeah. yeah. And those are your only options, right? It's not like you can uh, post a message on a message board. And I'm not talking about computer stuff. I'm talking about actually sticking a photo to a wall like they did in Battlestar Galactica. Right? Uh -huh. So, you know, the, uh, the apocalypse has come, the uh, aliens, the uh, robots have uh, killed most of humanity on all of the 12 colonies. Uh, what do you do? You stick a photograph on a board. Have you seen this person? Like they could do that. Like if he had a photograph of Sherry, you could stick a, you know, uh, photographs on a board and say, have you seen this person? If so, contact me in... Uh, I don't know, come to LA. I probably will be there somewhere. You know what though? You know, they, what do you do? They should do that. If Dwight's going to stick around on this show for a while and assuming there is more show coming, I don't want him to completely give up the search. No, you keep an eye out, but you don't actively spend your whole life doing it because it's, 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 it's going to be a waste of a life. But what if they just every once in a while you see Dwight like post a picture like you said, just like stick it to a, a wall somewhere. Like every time they go somewhere new, even if something else is going on, Dwight's in the background putting up a poster and then back to whatever they're doing. Does that sound stupid yeah. or is that is that good? Well, it's both, right? Because okay. it's probably not going to be fruitful, but, you know, uh, the act of doing it will probably be comforting. That, but that's that's what I like about it, right? It's comforting for Dwight. And yeah, it, it is something that, you know, somebody might do. So that that would be okay with me, I think. But I ultimately, I'm just a little bit bummed that it didn't reinvigorate him. Um, and he's just going to go back with John. But I guess they have to escape because they have this time limit. The reactor's melting down. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna there's a big bomb, like a big friggin' huge nuclear bomb that's about to go off. So, you know, 
make some decisions. Yeah, you got to do something. <laughs> I have an anecdote about this too. When I was in high school, I started dating this uh, this girl, Linda, uh, from another school. I had met her a couple of times and uh, talked to her on the phone a bunch. And we started uh, agreeing to date. And we agreed to meet on Canada Day down at Bellevue Park, which is the big park in Sault Ste. Marie. We got down there. There was thousands of people in the park. Right. I had somebody's bike and I was talking to her and I'm like, oh, great. We finally get to get together uh, and spend some time together. Uh, I just have to go and return this bike to uh, the person that I, that I was holding it for. So I turned around and I took like 15 steps. I'm like, why am I looking for this person? I'm just going to run into them again. I'm going to go back and talk to Linda. And I turned around and she wasn't there. And you know what? I never saw her again. What? <laughs> <laughs> I looked through the park. I had people looking. I don't know what happened to her. She, uh, I never saw her that day. Uh, I never, I did try and call her a couple of times, but she didn't answer the phone. Uh, or, you know, her parents wouldn't put her on the phone. I forget exactly what happened, but I just know that I never saw her again. And technically we didn't break up. So really, am I still dating her? I don't think so. But we didn't actually say the words, I don't want to date you anymore. And I never saw her again. I'm not sure technically you were ever dating her. Yeah, I think maybe that's that's probably true. She probably just like, oh, that guy's ugly and <laughs> left. Yeah. Right, ultimately. But it's a nice story. It's, uh, you know, I Is met it? her down in the park. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? I'm not. I don't know, man. I'm not I sure. I looked for her all day. I'm Me not... and Bill looked for her all day. <laughs> I'm not we sure. never found her. I'm not sure either of you come out looking so hot in this story but it is a good story yeah so it <laughs> happens in real life uh you know nothing happened to her she didn't die or anything she, it wasn't the apocalypse it was just canada day fair enough canada day is yeah. way better than the apocalypse it was very busy down there there's lots of people the whole town came out pretty much all right it was a nice day too so yeah well Never i'm sorry again i'm gonna read it she's okay i hope so too and uh, I'm going to read an email from Bill in Tampa here. And this this actually clears something else up from earlier. And our friend Matt in New Jersey wrote in about this topic as well. But Bill writes, Dwight knew the make and model and color of the car Sherry was driving. That's why he took a shot at John and June, because their car matched Sherry's car. However, given the registration paperwork, he should have had the license plate number two and not have to depend on the VIN number. It's still stupid, and I'm glad they didn't drag out John's dishonesty and that they had the discussion they should have had last episode. So Bill's talking about our, or, you know, maybe mostly your complaints about the VIN number problem with yeah. the car. Um, but that's sort of how it's explained there, that he he had the the information on the car, which is why he shot at John and June originally. Um, but not the license plate. But not the license plate. Yeah, the make plate. and model, the VIN number. Right. So as Bill says, it's still stupid, <laughs> but well, kind of explains Yeah. It. If you pull the registration out of your glove box and look at it, right, it has information about the car. It does not have the license plate number on it. I don't know. It? I haven't, it probably does. does it? I haven't looked at mine in a long time. Probably should. Yeah. It might. Anyway, but, my, my point is moot. Yeah. But just to finish off there... Uh, as you know, I would agree. I'm glad they had this John dishonesty thing, ha have it wrapped up now because it didn't feel good for John to be dishonest with Dwight like that. John is an honest guy. Yeah, it was, it was very romantic comedy kind of thing and it kind of bugging me. So I'm glad they wrapped it up pretty quick. Right, right. Okay. Uh, the only other really thing about this episode 
unless there's something else you've got, Jason, is the Morgan and Grace stuff. And I really felt kind of meh about it. It doesn't seem like it's that exciting. Grace's mission to me feels totally frivolous. You know, she's trying to stop a huge nuclear power plant from melting down and she's got a tiny little generator to do it. And obviously it failed, which we kind of knew it would going into this last week. Um, and, and as I've said before, her only purpose on the show seems to be to set a deadline for their escape. And I honestly don't really care anymore if Grace lives or dies. So that may be harsh, but she's not adding anything to the show to me right now. Yeah, she's the uh, stopwatch. Exactly. She's basically, she just represents the uh, ticking clock. She's the countdown. Now, she is the one who opened Morgan's eyes to the idea of um, helping himself and not just everybody else. She says to him, you think everybody else's life is more valuable than your own, which ties back into all life is precious and, you know, everything learned from Eastman and stuff like that. Um, So that became a rather important bit. But it probably could have come from almost anybody, uh, and I don't think it had to be a character like Grace. So, you know, I guess I guess it pushed Morgan in the right direction, but if Grace never showed up again, although she went with Morgan, I wouldn't miss her. Well, we don't need her anymore because we have the sirens now. The sirens started going off at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. What do we need Grace for? She was representing the ticking clock. Now we got sirens. Yeah, we definitely do We're have good. sirens. Are we going to have sirens blaring in the background the entirety of the next episode? Because, no, boy. They can't, they can't do that. I don't think so either. They're going to have to find a way to silence those things. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, that would get very annoying very quickly. And I don't, even if they tried that, somebody in the editing process would be, you know, that's complete horseshit. We can't have sirens in the background of this whole episode. People are going to turn it off if we do. Yeah, it's like uh, James Cameron in The Abyss when he uh, when he uh, directed the movie The Abyss. Have you seen The Abyss? You've seen The yes, Abyss. Yes, of course. I've seen The Abyss. Okay. So they have these masks on uh, and they did a lot of the filming underwater uh, and the masks click when you breathe in and out the uh, the air that uh, goes into the mask because they, they didn't want to just use regular diving masks because you can't talk with a friggin' regulator in your mouth. So they had to have these full ma- full face masks, which uh, spend a lot of time clicking. And so the uh, the audio that they used when they were in the editing room was like, we can't have this clicking throughout this entire movie. It would drive everybody absolutely batshit crazy. Even though in real life, you can mentally move on from that in the fact that it, uh, you can just ignore it. But... Uh, in a movie for two hours, we can't have this clicking. So they had to redo all the audio for the entire movie so that they didn't have this clicking noise. And I think that, you know, Gail Ann Hurd was a producer on that gut, that movie. And she's a producer on this show. She'd probably be the one like, I've been in this situation before. You can't have a siren blaring through an entire episode. It might go on for a little while at the beginning of the episode, but it'll shut down at some point uh, because it, the point is made. The clock is ticking. The sirens are going off. Uh, this nuclear power plant is about to melt down. Yep. No, you're right. They're not going to have it going on for very long. It it just can't. Or the explanation will simply be that they are far enough away from it that you can't hear the sirens now. Something yeah. like that. So you know what I you know what I noticed about a week ago. What's that? There's the you know remember the old air raid sirens that they used to have around when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have those in Pickering 
and uh, they're still like they're solar powered and they're new looking and they're look like they're modern technology. And I was thinking, oh my God, those are not air raid sirens. Those are the fact that I live within a mile of a nuclear power plant sirens. Geez, I hope Maybe. they never go off. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, they have in the, in the town where my father-in-law lives, they have a, a public address system like that. There are speakers on oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. lamp posts and stuff, and they can actually broadcast a message to the entire town. I don't know if they ever do, but they might test it once in a while. Yeah. That sounds like a, you know, a, a communist kind of thing. Definitely. Or, or, a a warning of impending attack kind of thing, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So the town that he lives in is in the Czech Republic. Right? It is indeed. Okay. So that's, that's what I mean. It's a communist kind of thing. I knew that about your father-in-law. So that sounds to me like it would be something that uh, they would do in order to get information to the public in a reliable way. Yeah. Yeah. In a controlled way. Totally. Um, all and right. They probably maintain it. That's a good idea. You know, keep it, keep it running. I mean, why keep not? It. You know, hack into it, you know, broadcast something. At least Maybe for shit, should, uh, shits and giggles. hack into it and play our uh, podcast. That'd be a great idea. I do know the mayor. <laughs> I could probably, oh, nice. I could probably influence his decision to let me use it. <laughs> All right. Give him a call. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just be very popular in a small town near Prague. Patch, patch us through, would you? <laughs> <laughs> to the, to the town PA system. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's everything for this episode. Jen in California wrote in, I've got one more email here. Jen says, I think the issue is that there's just too much going on and too many people who are pseudo involved. Luciana just feels like a backup. Sarah and Wendell feel forgotten about. And are they now really going to have this ragtag group of kids following along? No. Uh, I think they're going to pile them all into the plane. I think everyone's getting into the plane, but I thought Jen's point about Luciana feeling like she's just a backup, basically doing nothing. Sarah and Wendell have virtually been written off the show. It feels like at this point, I know Sarah was in the last one, but she is insufferable. Most of the time, I'm sorry, no offense to the actress, but she's turning into the Dwight, not the Dwight, sorry, the Eugene a little bit where everything she says is weird and sarcastic and she has more one-liners than anything uh the problem is this show already has strand but now we have strand and sarah and wendell was referred to not even in the episode so uh i think that's no good maybe they'll get bigger parts when everyone's inevitably reunited soon i don't know but for now it feels like those characters are just hanging around wasting time yeah they're waiting for the story to circle back to max headroom well, I guess so, yeah. And um, who knows? Who knows when that's going to be? I no longer think that next week's episode is really going to to get them back there and get back to that max. It'll get them in line. the air. It'll, it'll They'll get in the air and then they'll be on their way back and that'll be the end of that. And then next uh, half season we can get into uh, Max Headroom. What's his name? The actor's M- name? Matt Frewer. Matt Frewer. Yeah. We'll get back to that next half season. I guess so. Well, that's that's the assumption, but you just you just never know anymore. I I don't know. So well, they can't not show him anymore. They're not just going to move on from that, right? Well, obviously they they can't. But I, I'm just no longer convinced he's going to play as big a role in the show as I assumed. You know, I never predicted in a million years that they'd be stuck between a mountain and a nuclear plant for eight episodes trying to fix <laughs> a plane. Uh, yeah. 
so I, I don't know what to think anymore. I, I just don't know. Um, but I'll, I'll let's talk about next week's episode in a second, just really quickly. Before we wrap up here, uh, I want to send a couple of thank yous out to people who have supported us recently. Uh, both of these people recently signed up on Patreon, Melissa D and Randall L. Thank you both for your support on Patreon. If you would like to join that exclusive club, you can do that at patreon.com slash the talking dead. You can make a small monthly pledge there to just help us with all of the ongoing costs of putting on the show. The other thing you can do if a monthly thing isn't your cup of tea is go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to make a one-time donation via PayPal. And uh, either way, we really, really appreciate it. So thank you to everyone that's done that. And thanks to everyone else who has listened and is considering it. So next week on Fear the Walking Dead, it is the mid-season finale, and it is called Is Anybody Out There? So the reason I wanted to just talk about this real quick, I have no idea what's going to happen. Obviously, we haven't seen the episode yet, but the title makes it makes me feel like they're going to remain stranded somewhere. You know, is there anybody out there? It's like, we don't know where we are or we don't know how to get away from here. Is there anybody out there that can help us? Is there anybody out there that's worth trying to contact and help? I, you know, I just, it makes me feel like they're actually not going to escape this area. Or if they do, they're going to end up somewhere else. That's not what we expect. I don't know. That kind of leads me, I, I I agree with your thinking and logic, and it makes me worried that they're not going to get back to uh, to where they were before. But I don't think worried is the right word because that's fine. Go somewhere else. I mean, for crying yeah. out loud, everybody of an import is uh, together. So except for what's her name and what's his name that are pretty much written out of the show anyway. Right. So fuck it. <laughs> just go someplace <laughs> Mate, why not the other thing you got a plane where do you want to go like go south man i mean if they well, can... i guess they came from the south so yeah maybe go north go to seattle oh what a great city if they can yeah. take the plane if they can get the plane in the air then yeah they can really go as far as they have fuel i guess they need to think about where to land and all that kind of stuff but hey the last time they tried to land it didn't go so well and everyone was fine more or less yeah. they should go to regina um, yeah, I don't know if I, uh, support well, that Well, I mean, the, in the cold, there's, you know, the population isn't absolutely huge. It's probably doable. It's kind of isolated. And, uh, you know, it's the, it's the town that rhymes with fun. It sure does. Sure does. Or it sure is. It does and is. It sure was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing I wanted to say about this, is anybody out there? And this relates to what I was saying a minute ago about, I'm not even convinced anymore that Matt Frewer is going to be a significant part of the show is that I thought maybe they fly back to the factory and he's taken over. So they're turned away and they just decide to go on their way to find out if there is anybody out there. You know what I mean? It's like, maybe they're like, okay, you have the factory. Good luck. We're leaving. That sounds yeah. insane because why would they even set that up on the show? But like I said, I don't know what to believe anymore. And I get a feeling from that title amongst all of this of a little bit of aimlessness. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. what I, are I, we yeah. doing? Where are we going? Why are we doing it? Is anybody out there? That's it. Yep. No, no, I, I like your logic. Yeah. It makes sense. I, I don't know. It all sort of flooded into me when I read that title. So we'll have to see 
what happens on the midseason finale. That's next week on Fear the Walking Dead. But in the meantime, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do that by visiting our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail at the top and recording us a message. We love getting voice messages from anybody. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on the Twitter at talking dead or uh, send email to talking at gmail.com. That is a very good way to get in touch as well. Thanks so much to everyone who has done that. Uh, you know, if you have a second, go to iTunes and leave us a five star review. That would be wonderful or review us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. It all helps and is a great way to just uh, get the word out there about what we're doing and, and hopefully get some, some new listeners all the time. So thank you very much. All right. Well, uh, this was an episode of highs and lows or sort of mid range feelings and lows, I guess we'll say. And all I can say right now is despite everything about what we've seen and what we feel like is coming up on the mid season finale, I, I genuinely do hope it is really good, Jason, and uh, I look forward to finding out in a few days. Me too. I'm excited and nervous and scared and disappointed already. All at the same time, exactly. All at the same I know. time, yeah. As of right now, I both love and hate the episode, and I can't wait to find out where which side I fall onto. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.